Welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful Tuesday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Norris, and whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, or listening on Podbean, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like each episode, and leave comments down below. Spotify and Podbean, if you're listening on there, share around with others and follow on there as well. We have X, Facebook, and Instagram. All you got to do is type in Pigskin Frenzy on all those. Follow and like the page there. You'll get episode updates, news and highlights from about for, for college and NFL football. Uh, you have trivia questions on Instagram stories. Go and answer today's as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Okay. College football day today. Uh, quick note, I promoted our Pigskin Frenzy correspondent and eight-man football analyst in the state of Mississippi, Noah Crow, to be on here. And I apologize. We try to work it out. There were some technical issues to try to get him on the show today. And we will have to get him on the show in the future down the road. It was unable, you know, we were unable to, you know, come to terms with the technical difficulties. And I apologize for that. But the show is going to go on, and we will try to get him on in the future, on a future episode of Pigskin Frenzy soon as we possibly can. So, Pace Game Frenzy today. Top four, top week four matchups coming up soon. This week, I'm excited. We got some ball games this Saturday. And we're going to recap week three. We're going to recap week three. And I said that it was a sleeper weekend. I was wrong. It wasn't a sleeper weekend. It was actually filled with some intriguing matchups. And some matchups that we were like, okay, didn't think this was going to happen, and we're going to go over it. We're going to go over it here in just a little bit. We're going to go over some news off the field here in a little bit, and we're going to cover week four and preview and predict the top matchups. We're also going to talk about some Alabama football because we need to, okay? We need to have a come-to-Jesus meeting about Alabama football. We're going to discuss it right here. Subscribe on YouTube. Like each episode. Follow on Podbean and Spotify. Follow on X, Instagram, and Facebook. And, keep, and just keep up with all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Before we get into the week three recaps, hope everyone's doing okay today on this fine Tuesday. I'm pumped. I'm happy. Football's here. And wild weekend. So we're going to go over some stuff. And this was according to Pete Thamel, ESPN senior college football writer and guru specialist of college football inside news, Pete Thamel. He reported, and this was, you know, reported yesterday, uh, according to him, Michigan State has now began the process of terminating football head coach Mel Tucker due to the misconduct allegations, sexual misconduct allegations happening within the university. So, and I quote, for this is from the athletic director, of Michigan State University. I, with the support of administration and board, have provided Mel Tucker with written notice of intent to terminate his contract for cause. This was, you know, sent to me by uh, Noah Crow, who was supposed to be, again, supposed to be on the show. Again, I apologize. I do apologize for that. So, Mel Tucker getting fired from Michigan State. It's coming as a shock to me. No. It does not. It doesn't come as a shock to me at all because I kind of felt like it was coming eventually. The program culture hasn't been the same since D'Antonio. It looked different now. Sure, 2020 going into 2021 was filled with a, a high, right? They beat, they they played Pittsburgh in the, the Peach Bowl. They won. They won, uh, they had a, a solid run 
in the Big Ten and came close to winning the Big Ten. They, Kenneth Walker, they had guys like that on the team. Uh, Peyton Thorne was on the team. And, and they looked, they, Michigan State was, was solid, right? They were solid. And then it started going downhill, you know, losing some ball games. Not only that, the culture started to change. And what I mean by culture is, you know what? Better example. Go and look up the post-locker room altercation between Michigan and Michigan State. That's a a key definition, a key example right there of the program cultures just being different, right? And the, the, the Spartan culture is being completely different under Mel Tucker's regime. So, uh... I didn't say I'm not surprised at all. Uh, there's been more off the field occurrences that we haven't really has just been swept under the rug that has been going on with Mel Tucker in charge of Michigan Michigan State football. So uh, Michigan State uh, is about to terminate Mel Tucker, and if you want to look at a potential coaching search. Um, and this is, you know, I'm in agreement with, like I said, correspondent for Pigskin Frenzy, reoccurring correspondent Noah Crow. Uh, he's been helping a lot this week. So uh, I agree with him. And he told me off air that he sees Tulane head coach Willie Fritz as a part. Uh, he sees uh, Liberty head coach Jamie Chatwell as one as well. And I think those are two viable options for Michigan State to consider and go after when or when or if, whenever the time frame is of the termination is made official for head coach Mel Tucker. So just keeping just keep an eye on that Michigan head coach Michigan State head coaching job. Uh, it's a good job opening up and is it a chance for anybody to rechange and redefine that Spartan culture because it is in desperate need of change. So prayers and thoughts go out to everyone affected by these allegations. It's hard and it is, you know, undisciplined and unnecessary for all this to happen. So Michigan State head coach Mel Tucker on his way out uh, for with term by being terminated with cause. So moving on, let's recap and let's talk about some week three action. Uh, so sorry, I was doing my hair to the side. Got a new fresh haircut yesterday. So bear with me here. So uh, week three, sorry, week three. Let's go over some of the games we talked about. Got most of my picks right. Got one wrong that I totally didn't see coming. And I was a part of this weekend that I thought, okay, it's a sleeper weekend. But it wasn't. It wasn't a sleeper weekend, it seemed like. It seemed like an an active weekend that was kind of underrated, really. So uh, in the twilight zone, still in college football, apparently we're not getting out anytime soon. I'm saying, hey, where's Rod Serling at? I'm trying to help. Help. Please help. But we are in the twilight zone and... It uh, looks like we're going to be staying in it for, you know, a foreseeable future, probably this season, because, man, this has been an un- this has probably been the most unpredictable college football season that we've had in quite some time. So, kicking it off with North Carolina and Minnesota. Um, North Carolina, 31, Minnesota, 13, final score there. Right about the outcome, wrong about how lopsided the game was going to be. And I thought it was going to be a lot closer. Um, and I, I still, before we get into anything, I still think Michigan is a, not Michigan, Minnesota. Sorry, I was thinking about Michigan, Michigan State. Sorry. Minnesota, Minnesota, rather, is a solid team in the Big Ten West. And I think they're an underrated team in the Big Ten. Um, I think they're going to win some games that you don't expect Minnesota to win. P.J. Fleck, good head coach, row the boat. Okay, 
North Carolina is a brick wall, though. And that is, a, that is a, a talented team that you just ran into that, hey, you can't help but, you know, lose to. It's just how it is. Tar Heel Nation, square up, right? Uh, Drake May, 414 yards with two touchdowns and two interceptions. Drake May has been kind of hot and cold, trying to still find his rhythm so far in this season, and he is still one of the top quarterbacks in college football, but he's still trying to find his rhythm as the the Tar Heels find that in, in the offense. So what do they go to? What works has been, this is what's been working for them so far, and they're going to what works. The running game. Omari, Omari and Hampton, 13 carries with 46 yards and one touchdown. Uh, beast of a running back for North Carolina, and the running game has proven to, you know, make some dividends for this team, right? Uh, they're still trying to find their way in the passing game, but the running game is kind of saving them in a lot of these games, and they're going to need some of that attack and balance attack to win some games and to hopefully make it to Charlotte in December. So, North Carolina still looking good. Drake May still needs to find a little bit of a rhythm, but I have no doubt and no shortage of confidence that he will find a rhythm. Sorry, I'm going to take a a little bit of a water sip here. (laughs) My voice, sorry. A little bit of a water sip here. Not a sponsor, just taking a water break. (laughs) So, let's go to Minnesota. Athen Kalakamanis. I told, I said that he needed to, you know, provide some more clarity in the throwing game, and he did a little bit, but not enough to get the win. Uh, but don't worry. The running game also proved to be dividends for Minnesota, the Golden Gophers. 11 for 29 with 133 yards and an interception for uh, Kalakamanis. Uh, they leaned a little bit more towards Darius Taylor, their running back. 22 carries with 138 yards and one touchdown. Minnesota looked solid. They look like an underrated team in this conference and in this division. I think Minnesota is going to win some games that no one expects to win this year. And I would keep watching Golden Gopher football and keep watching what P.J. Fleck does for this team. Uh, Good game all around for both teams. Bright future ahead for both teams. But North Carolina was just the better team. And... uh, Still trying to find rhythm in the air for both for both teams and both quarterbacks, but their running game is proven to be dividends for both squads. The final score, North Carolina 31 and Minnesota 13. And we're going to move on to down in Oxford, Oxford, Mississippi. So, second game that we covered last week, Ole Miss and Georgia Tech. So, final score of that one was right on this one. Ole Miss 48, Georgia Tech 23. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be close. Uh, I think Ole Miss had more talent and Ole Miss had a better team, and I was correct. Um, and, and it's all falling, ladies and gentlemen, on Jackson Dart. Jackson Dart falling on his shoulders. Let's look at Jackson Dart and what he did. He has been an underrated quarterback in the Southeastern Conference this season and in the West. So Ole Miss is 3-0 and now for a reason. 10 for for 18 with 251 yards and a touchdown in the air along with 14 carries and 136 yards and two touchdowns. That is, let me do the math in my head. Yeah, yeah, 387 total yards. 387 total yards for Jackson Dart against Georgia Tech. Quinshawn Juckins, 13 carries with 37 yards and a touchdown. The go-to receiver, big-time threat in this game. Jordan Watkins, four receptions with 119 yards and a touchdown. They win big as they head into a top-tier showdown this Saturday against the Crimson Tide of Alabama. We'll get into that later on. Um, When you look at it, the passing game, throwing game, 
solid. Jackson Dart is playing on a different level than he was last season. He started off hot last season and then kind of dipped a little bit. You saw a little bit of a dip in his performance, and it's like, oh, man, okay, we're going to, you know, maybe we should start Spencer Sanders. Maybe we should, you know, look into LSU transfer quarterback Walker Howard. But then Jackson Dart won the starting job, and this is and he's showing why he's the guy. Jackson Dart is showing why everybody, hey, don't doubt, count on me, and don't don't you know count me out, right? Dart's doing it. Dart is doing it. Now, only thing that I got an issue with is defensively um, applying more pressure to the quarterback. They need to rush the quarterback more. They are you know losing at that end and. That's why Georgia Tech was able to get off some big plays this past Saturday, along with Tulane, right? Along with Tulane the, the week prior. So it, it's interesting to see what they do on the on the front of applying pressure to the quarterback and to the O-line because in the trenches is where it's going to count in some of these crucial games, and they're getting beat in, in the trenches in a lot of these games, but they have, they have the offense to outscore anybody. So I think that's what's getting them past these games right now. Uh, but winning in the trenches is going to be key in some of these big-time games and most likely Saturday against Alabama. So Quinshawn Juckins off to a little bit of a slow start. So far this season, he uh, was coming into the conference as the best running back in in in, in the SEC. Um, but if you look at Judkins, he's he's still got some of that imp in him. You can tell, and he was actually doubtful to play, but then ended up playing this past Saturday. He he had a, a little bit of a lingering injury, uh, undisclosed as far as I know. But Judkins, solid back, uh, should be good to go this Saturday. And I think a big key in this, you know, for Saturday's matchup is still apply the run game. We need to see more of Quinshawn Judkins. So those are two things that I would say for Ole Miss to get started, you know, to get a little bit going on. Try to win more in the trenches and you know, establish the run game with Quinshaw Judkins a little bit. And because Jackson Dart eventually could get, you know, it, 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 you know, he can't do it all, right? You, know, you got to have some, some a balanced, a more balanced attack on the uh, on the ground. So uh, Ole Miss looks good. They uh, look ready for a prime showdown against Bama Saturday. Georgia Tech look good, too. They look like one of the most underrated teams in the ACC currently. Uh, Haynes King, the Texas A&M transfer quarterback, uh, had 28 for 41 with 307 yards and two touchdowns, along with 14 carries with 42 yards and a touchdown. Looked solid. Uh, Eric Singleton Jr., the freshman wide receiver, five receptions with 97 yards and a touchdown. That's a good duo right there. That's proven to be a very effective, you know, for, for this Yellow Jacket offense and this triple option offense. Uh, Haynes King, uh, and the, they look good. They look good. Uh, they lost, but, you know, you know, I think they're going to win some games and play people close that you don't expect them to. So watch out for Georgia Tech this season. I think they're going to play some teams close uh, that you have not expected them to play, you know, close. So final score, 48-23. Ole Miss gets the win, 3-0, and heading into a big showdown Saturday. Next game, Florida and Tennessee. Uh, I expected this to be the other way around. Tennessee, I picked Tennessee to win this game. Not going to be close. I was wrong. Florida 29, Tennessee 16. You're thinking, wow. Didn't see that one coming. Neither did I. Neither did I. I thought this was going to be a game where 
uh, Tennessee was going to throw the ball, have a balanced attack, and they were going get, to get, you know, get by with a win, and I didn't think Florida had enough. But they did. They showed like they had enough, and Tennessee was really not ready to play this game, it looked like. Graham Burtz, Florida quarterback, 19 for 24, with 166 yards and one touchdown. But had some good promise in the air, but not like the ground game. They were throwing the ball more, but this game, they actually ran the ball more and ran it pretty well. Trevor Etienne, the younger brother of former Clemson running back and current Jacksonville Jaguars running back Travis Etienne, he had 23 carries with 172 yards and a touchdown. Rotating back Montreal Johnson, 12 carries with 23 yards and a touchdown. Florida looked solid in a balanced offensive attack. They uh, hit some weak points that the Tennessee uh, Tennessee secondary could not pick up, and that was a key matchup. Their receivers uh, against their secondary, and uh, seeing how Tennessee secondaries were going to handle you know, a little bit of that balanced attack, and they didn't handle it. They didn't respond to it well. Uh, they looked good on the ground, and this was a big-time win for Billy Napier heading into these next few games that are going to be crucial, Kentucky being one of them on September 30th, and later on you know, in a few weeks, heading into Jacksonville against the number one-ranked Georgia Bulldogs. So Florida, 2-1, and one, uh, heading into the season. Uh, they're, a little, they're a little bit on their high horse after this win, and I would be too. They beat a you know, near top 10 team, right outside the top 10, top 15 team, strong win for Florida. And after a, a tough loss and a tough break from against Utah, they responded in a big way. Tennessee did not look ready in this game. Let's go to Tennessee really quick. Joe Milton, 20 for 34 with 287 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. The big thing about this was their penalties. Their penalties were huge. They had 10 penalties for 79 yards. And it was like when they hiked the ball, there was a flag throw. There was a marker down. And it just put them back. What's hard about this is the clock, the clock differential. The clock is going to keep going, right? The clock is, you know, whether you go out of bounds or get a first down, you get a penalty, you know, the clock's just going to keep rolling. The clock stops when it's, Two minutes in the second quarter and two minutes in the game. That's it. That's when the clock stops. And it's tough with the new clock rule and more penalties. Time is not on your side. And that is a big reason why Tennessee lost this football game because of miscues like this. Ten penalties. Man, uh, time wasn't on their side. Penalties weren't on their side, and they kind of shot themselves in the foot in a lot of ways. Joe Milton still looked okay. He still looked good. He just made a lot of, you know, a lot of mis- a lot of miscues and small miscues that probably, you know, th- that probably went along with some of those penalties and, you know, you know, time management issues on their offense. So uh, Tennessee looks like they got some issues to work on when it comes to penalties and trying to clean stuff up and clean up the the, the small miscues that turn into bigger issues. Um, and I know that history is not on Tennessee's side when it comes to this game. They haven't beaten Florida in the swamp in about 20-something years. Uh, 20 years, I think. Yeah, yeah, 20 years. 2000, 2003. So it is 20 years to be exact. So uh Tough break here. Florida upsets them 29-16. We're going to see where Tennessee goes from here because Tennessee looked like the type of team that was supposed to give Georgia fits. 
Now let's not focus more on Georgia. That's coming up in November 18th. Let's look at, you know, small step at a time. Tennessee's got a game uh, this weekend, I believe. So I'm going to look and see about Tennessee. I'm, as you can tell, I'm pulling up their football schedule. So Tennessee, uh, upset this past weekend. They play uh, Texas San Antonio at home. They then go and play South Carolina. Then they play have a bye week and then play Texas A&M. So uh, after Texas San Antonio, they got two key games that they got to worry about. And I would just, you know, take that with precaution, take it with a grain of salt. Final score, Florida 29, uh, Tennessee 16. Florida has some tough games ahead. So does Tennessee. Uh, one game at a time for both of these teams is what I say. Uh, and try to correct some of those miscues for Tennessee. So, last game before we move on to the AP poll and week four top matchups. And I'll preview and predict those. Colorado, Colorado State, Rocky Mountain Showdown. Game day was there. Electric Rock was the guest picker. If you smell... Uh, say, I'm, I'm going off of my wrestling there. Uh, I watched wrestling as a child, okay? I think everybody did. But The Rock was there. Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, was ready, ready to ball, and it was a good game. Everyone was thinking, I was thinking to myself, this is game of the week, and then that turned into, this was game of the week, and I was smiling about it, because that was a fun game. I watched that game, and I've never been excited, more like more excited about a Colorado and Colorado State football game than I was this season. It was very entertaining. Final score, Colorado 43, Colorado State 35 in double overtime, and I thought it was going to be you know, you know, kind of like Colorado was going to run away with it, but they didn't. Colorado State hung in there. Jay, uh, Jay Norville had a good plan. He had a good plan. He and it was personal, personal for both teams. There were some pregame chippering going out, and you know, it was, it was, you know, it was, it was interesting nonetheless. So uh, let's go over what Colorado did. Shadur Sanders, 38-47 with 348 yards and four touchdowns with one interceptions. The key players in this game were Michael Harrison with seven receptions with 76 yards and two touchdowns. That tight end can ball, ladies and gentlemen. He is a solid tight end. Uh, he is one, probably one of the most underrated tight ends in the game. Uh, you had the other two options, Jimmy Horn Jr., seven receptions with 66 yards and one touchdown, and Xavier Weaver with nine receptions with 98 yards and one touchdown. Good play right there. Good plays made from those guys. Uh, Travis Hunter had a late hit. And he is hurt. He is hurt. He was hurt. He was hospitalized, and he was taken out for the rest of the game. And it is now known that Travis Hunter, Colorado athlete, will be out for the next three weeks. So that's a key loss right there for Colorado because they are going to miss him for the Oregon and USC football games in the next two weeks. So he's three weeks away from return. Tough break there. Tough break there and a tough loss for one of the best athletes in college football, two-way star, Travis Hunter. So they lost a key dog there uh, in the fight. So uh, tough break for him, and prayers and thoughts go out to Travis Hunter as he recovers and rests for the next three weeks before after, you know, returning after the USC football game. So Colorado won this one. They look solid, uh, and they are ready to go for a prime showdown with Eugene, Oregon. Uh, a few things. Uh the O-line 
just get better protection on Shadur Sanders. And Shadur Sanders uh, made better decisions this week, but make a little bit of more, you know, better decisions heading into Oregon. Uh, keep up with that progression and keep up with the decision making. So uh, Colorado looks solid. Uh, another guy for, for Colorado State was their wide receiver, Torrey Horton. Very underrated receiver. One of the best in the Mountain West, but one of the most underrated receivers. Not and Very, very uh underlooked in college football 16 receptions with 133 yards and a touchdown he also threw a touchdown pass for 30 yards solid receiver solid player he works hard and if i'm scouts i'm looking at him in the nfl draft coming up uh good player solid player uh not much else to say on this game. Good for both teams. I expect Colorado State to compete in the Mountain West. They look solid, and they look like prime, prime for a Group of Five championship run in the Mountain West. Final score, Colorado 43, Colorado State 35 in double overtime. Fantastic game, and Colorado looks ready and prime you know, for a top showdown against Oregon Saturday. Let's go over the AP poll top 25 i'll talk about alabama for a little bit after and then we will go over the top four matchups for week four so let's go over the ap top 25 as it is loading up here on my notes so number one georgia and same thing georgia uh georgia started off slow again and then, then bounced their way back in the second half against South Carolina, beating them. Number one, Georgia. Number two, Michigan. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's return is looming. It is looming. Uh, it is coming this Saturday. Uh, he missed the first three weeks. He is back, and week four is happening, and Michigan Jim, head coach Jim Harbaugh is back. Number three and four, flip-flop. Texas is number three now, while Florida State fell to number four after a full, slow start against Boston College. Um, and I will talk about that in uh, the games for week four. Number five, USC. Number six, Ohio State. Big showdown Saturday against Notre Dame. Keep an eye on that one. Seven, Penn State. Another big showdown against Iowa Saturday. A whiteout game for in Happy Valley. So that's going to be key for Penn State and key for Iowa. Number eight, Washington, uh, good win against Michigan State. Number nine, Notre Dame. Again, they play Ohio State. Top 10 matchup there. Oregon with a win this past week as they get ready for a prime showdown against a, a prime showdown against Colorado. They played Hawaii, beating 55-10. Number 10, Oregon. Number 11, Utah. Underrated matchup coming up, UCLA. There's a lot of good games on in week four. LSU at 12. They move up from 14 to 12. Uh, impressive showing. They looked like probably one of the best teams in college football this past weekend. They looked like the team that was supposed to play against Florida State, against Mississippi State. They looked good on both sides of the ball. Jaden Daniels has officially re-entered the Heisman conversation. And Malik Neighbors put up over 230-plus yards. Solid play from LSU on both sides of the ball, defense and offense. They look like they have one, if not the best offense in the SEC currently. Number 12, LSU. Number 13, Alabama. For the first time since 2015, out in, in eight years in the AP poll era, Alabama has fallen out of the top 10. Long run, long stretch, and Alabama is 13 in the AP, in the AP polls before the playoff polls have come out. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. 
Number 14, Oregon State. They have a top showdown with Wazoo Saturday. Cameron Ward, DJ Yogolele, an underrated quarterback matchup in the Pac-12. Solid players there. Ole Miss, 15. They moved up two spots. They are getting ready in prime and hungry for a showdown in Tuscaloosa. 16, Oklahoma. They move up from 19. North Carolina with a win over Minnesota. They move up three spots to 17. Duke moves up three spots from 21 to 18 at 3-0. and Next week, if they win this week, they're going to go in undefeated for a top showdown against Notre Dame, who is coming to Durham next week. Colorado, 19. They drop one spot. Miami moves up two spots to 20. Wazoo, like I said, Oregon State's coming. You know, they're going to have a showdown there Saturday, 21. UCLA at 22. They have a showdown with Utah. Uh, And 23, Tennessee. They drop from 11 to 23, 12 spots against that, uh, after that tough upset against Florida. 24, Iowa. Big time matchup against Penn State. And 25, we say hello to Florida after a big time upset against Tennessee. Now, key here, in a way, I kind of wanted to see Mizzou in this. I wanted to see Missouri in this uh, Missouri in this rankings because they beat the defending Big 12 champions in a huge upset against Kansas State, 30 to 27 win over the cha- over the Big 12 champs of last year, Kansas State. Good win for Missouri. Huge win. They're three and0. They're 3-0 and heading into Saturday's matchups. And I don't know. I would love to see Missouri in the top 25 after this. Uh, I would also love to see BYU in there. BYU beat a good team uh, in Arkansas. Arkansas has got LSU Saturday. LSU's a 7-point fa- 17-point favorite against Arkansas at home. Um, Arkansas, they looked good, but they kind of slowed down at the end and finished slow. Uh, BYU played strong and finished strong. They beat, they beat Arkansas 38-31 in Fayetteville. I kind of wanted to see BYU in there. So, Arkansas upset by BYU, and Florida gets the, the nod over both teams to be 25 because that was a top win, a top win for Florida. So, I can see why that Florida got the nod. Real, real quick before we go into the week four. What's happening with Alabama football? They don't have a leader. That's one. They don't have a leader. Uh, they tried out Ty, Ty Simpson and Tyler Buckner. Buckner wasn't a good option. Buckner did not play all that well. Simpson uh, didn't know. I didn't think he really understood the playbook too, too well. But then uh, started showing some flashes, right? Um, and what it boils down to is the best option for them to win is Jalen Milrow. Jalen Milrow was the best option for them to win. So what did Nick Saban say? He announced that Jalen Milrow will start Saturday and most likely beyond for Alabama because he presents the best opportunity for them to win some games. So Jalen Milrow didn't play all that great against Texas uh, it's a rhythm at quarterback, and they need to find some consistency at offense. O-line needs to protect better. The quarterback play needs to be a lot better, and they need to run the ball more and stop putting too much pressure on these quarterbacks. These quarterbacks aren't Bryce Young, and Bryce Young was one of those guys that can make magic happen. These guys are not that, and they're, they are good. Don't get me wrong. They got some talent, but they are not the level of a Bryce Young. So it's one of those things where tip it was like it's like a it was like a a, a, a you know a, a hell a one two thing like I'm gonna help you I'll scratch your back 
let me scratch your back. You know, like, you know, I'll scratch your back, scratch my back kind of thing, right? That's one of those, that's what it is. And uh, I'll, you know, you run the ball, and then I'll then I'll throw the ball in some place of a balanced attack. They need better protection on the all line. They need better quarterback play. They need to run the ball more. And mentally, they need a leader. Because a key thing that I heard the broadcasting team on ABC say this past Saturday afternoon was it was 3-3 going into half. They're, the play looked sloppy. They looked defeated against South Florida. And no offense to South Florida. They held their own. But Alabama, it was one of those things where Alabama should have looked way better in that game heading into Ole Miss. And they did not. They did not. They looked worse than they did against Texas. They looked worse. And it was rough. Rough outing. They won 17-3, but Alabama did not look so hot. Their heads were hanging low, and they looked defeated. It was not an ideal thing. And it's not something you want to see heading into Alabama, uh, heading into Tuscaloosa Saturday. So what's going on with Alabama? They need to find consistency. They need to have a leader and, and by golly, they need to protect on the O-line, right? They need more protection. and They need more help to run these plays. So, uh, tough loss. No, no, I don't say tough loss. Tough break and tough outing and a win against South Florida that didn't look too hot and didn't look too good heading into a big-time showdown against a white-hot 3-0 Ole Miss team. So uh, Alabama's going to have to find something. It is a come-to-Jesus thing. They're going to have to find something. Uh, there needs to be player-only meetings held. They need to get stuff together in order to try to make a run. Because right now, this team is not a top-10 team. And that's being honest. I'm not bashing them. I promise. I'm not bashing Alabama at all. It is one of those things where they're not a top-10 team based off the play that they have delivered and the loss against Texas didn't surely help things either. So, can Alabama turn it around? I think they can. They just need to find those things I was telling you about. A leader uh, mentally and uh, a, a rhythm and a consistency in the O-line and quarterback play on offense. So, Moving on from Alabama, I want to get into Alabama in a minute. Let's talk about the top top matchups. The top week four matchups is preview and predict to conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy, starting with Florida State at Clemson. Florida State and Clemson, live in Clemson, South Carolina, noon Eastern, ABC, right off the bat. So, let's talk about it. Keys for this game, and it's simple. By the way, Jordan Travis hurt his shoulder. That's going to be a big-time factor in this game. Florida State needs to start white hot. And and I know Jordan Travis, like I said, is, is, is you know hurt, and he did get hurt in Boston College. But they found a way to win, and he's good to go Saturday. He's good to go, and I would play him. He is the heart of this team, and he is a must-need it to to win games for Florida State and to make it to where they need to be, right? And that could be a playoff berth and a conference championship. So <clears throat> Florida State needs to start hot. Um, they didn't really start all that hot against Boston College, and they didn't really finish that strong either, but they got the win nonetheless due to Boston College leading the FBS in penalties. So Florida State needs to start hot. Clemson's key to this is use running back Will Shipley in all aspects of the game. That's in the rushing attack. That's in the receive in receiving. That's, you know, every all aspect of the game. 
move the ball, and he can move and he help him, you know, use him to move the ball well against a pretty stout Florida State Seminole defense. Who do I have winning this game? I have Florida State beating them close. Florida State wins this game. I'll say thirty-five. I'll say thirty-five. Let me just say this. Let me redo it. Thirty-five to twenty-four. I say 35-24. You're thinking, that's a 11-point win. Not really all that close. And score-wise, no. But I think Clemson plays hard. I think Clemson plays hard, and in the end, Florida State runs away with it and you know ends it with an 11-point win over their rivals that they haven't gotten in the Mike Norvell era yet. So Mike Norvell wins his first game against Clemson, 35-24 in a Big win for Florida State and a big rebound win for Florida State. So they win 35-24. Moving on to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Ole Miss at Alabama in a must win here. 3.30 Eastern on CBS. Uh, Must win for Alabama early on, and that is something I'm not used to saying or seeing or hearing. So keys to the game. Alabama, obviously, needs to find consistency on offense. And they do. They need to find a rhythm. And I just mentioned that just a minute ago. Um, They need to find a rhythm on offense. For Ole Miss, they need to apply the pressure to the quarterback. (laughs) And it's a complete opposite of what I was saying. They need to apply pressure to the quarterback. They need to, kind of like what I said on this past Thursday episode, with Dallas and New York when they played in the NFL, um, apply pressure you know, to Zach Wilson, you know, to, to make the cost of some mistakes. They did that, and I will talk about that Thursday. But same thing with here. The front seven needs to apply pressure to Jalen Milrow so he can make some of those mistakes that he made against Texas. Call some turnovers, call some incomplete passes, uh, balls being thrown away, some penalties even. Put pressure on Jalen Milrow. Alabama, find consistency on offense. Who do I have winning? If they find consistency on offense, if they find a way to get it done with a rhythm and with some heart, Alabama beats Ole Miss 31-28 by a field goal. Will Riker hits a game winner against Ole Miss. Ole Miss wins, loses their first game. Uh, bats against the wall. I think Bama wins it, bounces back, and gets a 3-1 and record heading in to the next week, which the next week they play Mississippi State. So heading into Saturday, or heading in, or heading in, or after Saturday, Alabama beats Ole Miss 31-28 by a field goal. Bama wins it and wins a must-win game in Tuscaloosa. So two more games before we conclude today's episodes. Uh, Colorado and Oregon. Noon Eastern. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 3.30 Eastern on Fox. Colorado at Oregon, big-time matchup, and we're about to see what the Buffaloes are all about. They are for real, but how for real are they? So, keys to the game. There's no Travis Hunter. So, what are we going to do about this? Well, we got to get Dylan Edwards back in the run game. We got to establish him and push him hard in the run game against this Oregon defense. I think if we establish Dylan Edwards more in the in the run game, he's going to deliver on a lot. And he's going to he's, he's going to rack up some yards and some much needed yards to help Colorado push the offensive down the field to score some points. So establish Dylan Edwards more in the run game. For Oregon, 
clean up the penalties. Now you're thinking, use Bo Nix. What are you talking about? That's a good key. Here's a better key. Clean up the penalties. <laughs> because you have 27 penalties all year. I'm sorry. My fault. My fault. 23 penalties this season so far. Uh, that's a lot of penalties. Uh, 14 plus 9. Uh, that's about 23. Yeah, 23. You have a lot of penalties so far. That is second in FBS behind Boston College. A lot of penalties there. So clean up the penalties and minimize those, and you'll win the ball game. If you have 14 penalties against Colorado, you're not going to win the football game, and that's very clear right there. So who do I have winning this football game? Oregon, actually. You're going to think you just said that they're not going to win with the penalties. Yes, they're not, but I have Oregon winning this this football game because I think they're going to clean up their penalties. I think they're going to use Bo Nix to a heavy degree, and they are going to, you know, run the correct plays to, to you know, to weaken up the middle of that defense and open up some, open up some gaps in the run game. And I think Oregon wins. I think Oregon wins a close one though. Oregon wins forty-two to thirty-five. Oregon forty-two, Colorado thirty-five by a touchdown, and they pull away within six minutes in the fourth quarter and and play some stout defense to ice the game in Eugene. Oregon beats Colorado 42-35 in Eugene Saturday. Now, last game before we conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy, Ohio State at Notre Dame. I've been waiting for this game. Honestly, I've been waiting for this game. And I've been waiting to see what these two quarterbacks are going to do against each other. I've been saying, let's just wait. Notre Dame started off a little slow. Ohio State started off a little slow this season, but we're going to see what happens with these two programs. They're going to battle in South Bend Saturday night, y'all. They are going to have a battle. So, Ohio State at Notre Dame. Key to Ohio State to win this ball game. Kyle McCord started off slow, but he played solid and lights out how a, how a Brian Day and a Brian Hartline offense should look and how a quarterback for Ohio State for the past few years should look, right? Quarterback Kyle McCord just needs to play how he played against Western Kentucky. He needs to ball out like he did against Western Kentucky in this game Saturday to help them get the win over a solid Notre Dame team. Now, the flip side of that is Notre Dame's key. The rushing attack with Audric with Audric Estime, along with the passing attack of Wake Forest graduate transfer quarterback Sam Hartman. The balance attack between those two guys, man. They started slow against West against Central Michigan, but they ended up running away with it and finishing strong. Start hot, finish strong with Audric Estime on the ground, one of the most underrated backs in college football, along with Sam Hartman. And Sam Hartman, I'm a big Sam Hartman guy at quarterback. He's been doing wonders for Marcus Freeman's offense. So the Irish got a shot in this one. I think it's going to come down to who's got the who's got the better quarterback play. Who's going to finish strong? Who's going to win their matchups? And who is going to read their progressions? And who's going to have better quarterback play? It's just if you want to come break it down. So, who do I have winning this football game? Close matchup until the very end. Tied even until the very end. But Notre Dame ices them with a field goal and wins it. Notre Dame 45 Ohio State 42. They win a three-point game against Ohio State, and Ohio State 
has a one-loss record in September for the first time in a long time. Notre Dame beats Ohio State and wins their first-ever regular season matchup against Ohio State. So, final score, 45-42. Notre Dame beats Ohio State this Saturday in South Bend. Saturday night on NBC. That is all we got for Pigskin Frenzy today. Again, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college ball coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Leave a like on the episode and leave a comment down below. Spotify, if listening on there, share around with others and follow on there as well. Podbean, same thing. If you're listening on there, share around with others and follow on there as well. X, Facebook, and Instagram. Just type in Pigskin Frenzy. Follow and like the pages there. You'll get episode updates, news, and highlights from across college and NFL football. Uh, you'll get trivia questions on Instagram stories. Go and answer today's and all things up to date through Pigskin Frenzy. Again, another big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday. We will be back Thursday for an NFL edition of Pigskin Frenzy. We're going to recap week two and go over the top matchups of week three in the NFL. I'm Joel Norris signing off, and we will see you then. For everybody out there, stay the course.